0: What's up? It's Mike Fenoya from Comes a Time, letting you know that O'Teal and I are going to be bringing the podcast to Patreon. Uh, Each week, we are going to provide members with a bonus episode, and what we talk about is going to be up to you. That's right. Members can send in their questions, stories, topics that you'd like to hear O'Teal and I chat about, and uh, we'll shout you out and take your questions each week. You got to make it a good question, though. If it's what's your favorite dead song, uh, we might skip that one. So do better. We have faith in you. Head to patreon.com slash comes a time pod and get on the bus. All right. It's another episode of comes a time. I'm Mike.
1: Motil how you guys doing we got a good one for you yeah
0: we got uh the 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 dynamic duo of Andy Bernstein and Mark Brownstein co-founders of Headcount um I mean you listeners are phenomenal about sending in your ideas uh this was from a, a listener I don't know if they wanted us to share their name or not so we'll keep it anonymous but thank you listener for uh for suggesting this. And we talked about having them on and, and the timing couldn't be better for a conversation about how to vote, um, how to, you know, juggle all of these obstacles that are being put in front of us right now.
1: And why it matters to vote yeah. too. It's a really enlightening conversation. And uh, I think uh, people are going to be more fired up and more passionate, whichever direction you want to vote in. That's We're the important not, thing about head is. count. Nonpartisan.
0: i had a conversation years ago with andy about that i was like you know are you guys like you know educating voters about agendas and he's like no we don't it's not like it's bipartisan we don't care it's it's vote for who you're going to vote for just register you know apathy is a big problem in this country like frank zappa and a million other people said um but guys enjoy it and uh you can ask us your questions at our patreon page patreon.com slash comes a time pod. And we release a episode every week where we're answering your questions and having conversations and we're having a blast with it. And it's just a fun hang with O'Teal and I. So head over to patreon.com slash comes a time pod, become a member and check out all the phenomenal podcasts on Osiris network, um, where we are. We're proud to be here. Uh, go to OsirisPod.com and check out all the great podcasts. So. Thank you guys so much. Be safe. We love you.
1: Enjoy.
2: Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me. It's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown.
0: Welcome back to comes a time uh we got a big one we got mark brownstein andy bernstein hanging from head count um it's great to see you guys thank you so much for being here
3: thanks, thanks for having guys. us
0: thank you for wearing your mask yeah i'm trying to keep people safe I'm trying to keep people safe here <laughs> well at least someone is um Look, we're at, I'm going to kick this off by saying thank you so much to the listeners who, um, you know, we were hoping to chat about, you know, election and voting and all that stuff that was coming up and a a listener beat us to it. Osiris, the great thing about Osiris is the listeners are so engaged with all the podcasts, you know, and uh, we got a letter. Um, I'd love to hear some commentary on the state of voting with so much confusion in terms of Leadership in change of the post office including deliberately inappropriate placement of leadership in this role and the subsequent vo- Vocal lack of confidence in the post office ability to deliver. What do we do about voting? There's so many questions. So we thought why not throw it out to the listeners O'Tiel posted it We reposted it we put it on Twitter and we got some questions from the listeners about voting because this is unprecedented it, it, Everything's new and different this year. So we thought why not have the two experts on to chat with us? So thank you.
4: Thank you think, thanks for having us. It, it, this you, You're absolutely right. It's an incredible question. Um, you know, I, I know for myself, I've been just going along on autopilot voting for the last 15 years, go to the same place every year. There's no question about, it. I just need to know when my date is and I show up. I know I don't need my ID. I know for me what I need to do. And then we hit 2020 and, um, all of the questions arise. Is it safe to vote in person? These were the questions that were being asked early on in COVID times when you had the Wisconsin primary and they made it so that you had to vote in person and there was a lot of fear around it. Are people going to show up? Um, And then I noticed that my polling place has changed for the first time since I've lived where I live. And, um, and, 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 And so between the question of, Is it even safe to vote in person? And then where do you vote? Is it the same place that you've been voting? There's a lot of questions that need to be answered about this upcoming election. And and in order to make people feel good about it is uh, if you want to vote by mail, is your ballot going to get there on time, you know, and, and, um, when you say we've got the experts on, well, I definitely agree that you have one of them. You have an expert on, oh, and cool. Andy Bernstein here, our oh. executive director, <laughs> and he is uh, uniquely qualified to answer these questions and has thought more than any single human being that I know or that most of us know about what the right thing to do is on November third. How how to go about it? I see a lot of people on Twitter talking about what are you going to do? How are you voting? I I went on Twitter and said what I'm going to do when this whole post postal service tobacco was first hitting. I made a decision. I go to Whole Foods. I go to the Acme grocery store here. I put on my mask, but sometimes I wear gloves. I always have my sanitizer. Um, there's mask requirements here where I live in Pennsylvania still, although that's being challenged in the federal courts right now. But, um, but I know for me, I feel that around here, the people kind of know how to keep it safe at this point, and I'm going to vote in person. I made that decision personally for myself. My other option that I was considering was requesting a, a ballot and and filling it out and making sure, specifically having somebody check it over and making sure that my ballot is filled out correctly, and then and then not leaving it to the postal service to get it there but dropping it off in person and there's that's, they're that's in my county they're putting up boxes five boxes around the county for drop off um you know we've had vote we've had vote by mail in pennsylvania and, and andy can speak to the actual stats of how many states actually had vote by mail in place before this it wasn't a political issue mm-hmm. it, it's only been politicized uh now recently leading up into this election. Is that is that would you say that's right, Andy?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean it's funny, like headcount, we started in two thousand four and we've always like gotten information to people about absentee ballots and had like info on our website. And it was just one of these things that was like the least controversial, like not even really a point of discussion. And it wasn't really until the last few years that it became politicized. And by the way, there's a reason for all of this. And the reason is that in the congressional race in 2018, there were a few races that the GOP thought they were going to win and they lost. And the reason was a lot of mail-in ballots that came in through a method that's sometimes called ballot harvesting, where basically people are going door to door and picking up people's ballots for them and mailing them. And it's legal in most states. And the GOP felt they lost some elections on it. And Democrats were much more organized around this process. And and basically, it's a get out the vote method. And so they started opposing it and, and trying to really undermine the results. You also had in Arizona, you had a, a Senate race that was within like a few thousand votes on election night. And then when all the mail-in ballots were counted, it was a two and a half percent win for the Democrat. So that was some of the things that set up kind of Trump and the Republicans feeling like mail-in voting was working against them and things like that. But because before that, actually there was, well, there was no partisan advantage to mail-in voting. And it was actually a lot of Republican voters who were voting by mail. There was sort of changes, and, and then it suddenly became very politicized. But the other thing I think everybody should know that, that Mark kind of alluded to there is that long before it got politicized, there were issues with mail-in voting as it relates to ballots counting or not counting. And it's gotten a lot worse during COVID. There's really like a couple issues. One is just ballots not arriving on time, whether it's not being sent out from the state in time, which is what happened in Wisconsin, happened in Arizona, happened in New York. Then there's confusion over is it postmark or does it need to arrive by that date when you're getting it back to the the state election board. And that varies for every state. It's not even like consistent across the country. So like who the heck is paying attention to these differences, postmark versus arrived by, and it's arrived by, well, you don't know when it's gonna arrive by because the the post office now is slower than ever. But even before that, there were large, 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 there was one study in 2008 that said 22% of mail-in ballots don't get counted, 22%. And that's including people who request the ballots, didn't get them in time, never mail them in. There's all these different ways that ballots end up not and not ending up where they're supposed to be so if somebody wants to vote by mail there's nothing wrong with voting by mail as long as you do it carefully and correctly and on time it's sort of like a test but there's no partial credit there's pass fail and if you're the other big issue is matching signatures now there was a court case today that got announced in pennsylvania where they're not going to use signature match because you know people's signatures change over time you might have filled it out on a stylus at the DMV and not really done your nice signature. And then that's something that's on file. And then you try to do a nice signature on your ballot and your ballot gets rejected. This really can happen. So these things are getting litigated. There's over 20 cases about postmark versus arrived by mail uh, signature match. Bottom line is if you're going to vote by mail, do it right away. You can go to headcount.org and request an absentee ballot. It's really easy. Get that request in right now. It, it's not a hard process, but you need to do it quickly. So then your ballot comes on time. You fill it out correctly. You, um, you check with a, maybe a friend or family member to look it over. Um, and if you're confident that your signature is fairly similar over time, you should be fine. You can also, in most states, you can track your ballot online. And in many states, they have what's called a cure period, which if there's a problem with your ballot, they'll call you to fix it. You just got to make sure you pick up your phone if you see an unrecognized number. So follow all of those things. That? And, you'll be fine. and voting by mail is a perfectly good and important way to vote because it does increase participation it is more convenient and states like colorado oregon utah that have fully vote by mail have some of the highest voter participation rates and some of the least problems in the country and no problems with fraud i mean that's just not there's no statistical backup to that fraud could be an issue quite the contrary you got better better chance of getting you know bit by a shark or all those other things than you know somebody doing voter fraud but I think for everybody what we're trying to just say is as mark said at the beginning you got to know more this year there's more at stake and there's more problems so if you come in as an informed voter you plan your vote your vote will count if you leave things to chance then you're kind of like walking into a voter suppression buzzsaw
1: and i you something i heard that one of the best ways to do this is to just take your vote in like get your mail-in vote when it comes to you but don't mail it back just drop it off is that not in all 50 states
3: you can do it in every state except Tennessee actually that you can drop off your uh your your form in your state election office and there are advantages to that when you know it's arrived you're not at the mercy of the post office but if you have any mistakes on it or the signature doesn't match it's not going to help you there So it is better. It's definitely the best method is to not leave it up to the post office. Go in, drop it off. You can Google like county election office in your county and you'll find it. No problem. Um, You can even if you don't have an absentee ballot in most states, you can actually walk into a county uh, election office, fill out your ballot right then and there. So if your state doesn't have true early voting, You can kind of fake early voting by just showing up to the county election office. And the great thing there is you generally aren't going to have lines. You can do it when it's convenient to you, uh, not on election day. But for the 20 states or so that have real early voting, where they set up polling places in advance of election day, if you are comfortable leaving your home, this is the best way to vote. Um, Generally, there aren't lines for early voting. It's more convenient. A cool thing is you can go with friends. Like if you're – you know, your local election district is only like might be only a few blocks if you live in a dense area, but early voting might be your entire county, and then you can like make a plan with a friend that you haven't seen in six months because COVID. Hey, when are you voting? Let's go meet up. Let's go vote together. So early voting is a great option. All this information can be found on the headcount website because it does vary by all fifty states, which is you know kind of like a lot of things in America, and um, it certainly makes it. A kind of Byzantine system but the other thing is that these systems are underfunded um somebody was talking the other day about how as soon as you go on a state election website your your user experience just went back 15 20 years and we live in a society that's all about sort of optimizing digital experiences and having as little friction as possible well as soon as you walk into the state election board web experience you are in friction land you're just it's just not as smooth uh, and man, that's let something me tell that i you, hope after there's, selection we'll there's about
4: 40 million people out there andy who understand about this kind of a system who have been trying to apply for unemployment across the country yeah, for the yeah. last 6 years yeah. and those systems are very similar to the you know to the web systems of you know just the government's web systems across the border it's all it's all dinosaur bones at this point yeah don't oh, get it. me
1: on a started on a defund conversation. Look. So when you say signature match, you're talking about signature to your license specifically.
3: Well, if you registered via the DMV or online, yes, and then it's easy. So look at your driver's license, match it. Okay. But if you registered to vote using a paper form, which is still what the majority of people use, then you, who knows, it's just whatever you signed that day. So, like, in Florida, they actually recommend if you're unsure, they say just re-register. Just re-register and put down a new huh. signature and capture. Yeah. And that's in, like, state guidelines. They're recommending people re-register, uh, which you can, again, do on any website and do on ours and whatnot. So it, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, if you, don't, if you did not register via the DMV, um, you're better off, like, you just don't know. You don't know what your signature looked like that day. Are you somebody who signs it the same way every time, or do you have a kind of... Here's I when I write a check I just make a squibble and then when I sign my beautiful autograph on like a D'Angelico guitar I have a different signature.
4: Did you, did you guys with hearts? Did you fill it out at Bonnaroo? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's a, a wide mind. range of, of my signatures whether That's I'm very the, true. Uh, the doctor's <laughs> office or if I'm walking through the 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 the, the headcount table at Electric Forest. <laughs>
1: So well, People get kicked off the rolls all the time anyway, so you should be checking and re-registering if you have to anyway. Yeah, right? Correct. Okay. And you know that's,
3: what? That's it's- such an important point. It's 16 million people in the last two years. 16 million names got taken off the voter rolls. And some it's for legit reasons. Someone passed away. Someone moved to another state. Yeah. And there are some that are for very not legit reasons. And one of the things that history has forgotten is that in Florida in 2000, Hundreds of thousands of people were taken off the voter rolls right before the election simply because their names matched a felon in another state. And they didn't even match it by middle name, Social Security, nothing, just the names. And lo and behold, you know who has the most common names in America? It's people of color. Um, There's just a statistical thing that there are more commonality in names. So people of color were far more likely to get purged from voter rolls in Florida in 2000 And sure enough, the election gets decided by less than 600 votes, and it was tens of thousands of people who got knocked off the voter rolls who shouldn't have. And that's why they brought in provisional ballots. But provisional ballots are kind of a placebo. They very rarely get counted. So, you know, it's just one of these things where you got to be prepared. you got to, like, check your stuff out. And checking your voter registration now is something that every American should do. Also can be done on our website. We've had over 150,000 people this year. Just check their voter registration status via headcount. And that's something that's really in many ways as important as registering a vote for the first time is just making sure you're up to date. And that takes like 30 seconds, by the way. You just you just put in your, your address, essentially, and it'll either pop up or not pop up. And if it doesn't pop up, then you check it out and can re-register. Also, just
0: calling your town and city clerk and just being like, how do I stay? Like, am I registered? How are we handling it? Can I deliver it and hand drop it off? And to what address do I go? It's like that simple. And like you know, just getting that info and getting the uh, application for an absentee ballot is that simple too. Just asking.
3: The power of Google. Yeah. Not that hard.
0: These things also make calls where you could talk to another human, which is pretty neat. You know, Um, there's uh, one of the questions that that I we were we were given um, here was like, what if (laughs) Um, you happen to be in line when the polls close. And that's an interesting question because you hear it about, you know, there's a lot of times there's, you know, purposeful or not stalling or whatever it may be. Like what but happens? Closed
1: a bunch of polling stations. So there's yeah, everybody funneled into one, you know? So what if you're in line and, and the polls close?
3: So my understanding is that as long as you are in line by the time the polls were to close, you're good and you can still vote. That said, there's 50 different States. So it's like, you know, for all we know, it's like, you know, can you drop off in every state? Yes, except Tennessee. You know, there's there's always these little surprises. So you would certainly want to arrive, you know, with plenty of time to spare. Um, and the line thing is just nuts. And, and uh, you know, there's stats that shows that the average African-American waits on three times longer than the average white person. And to me, that might be the the worst voter suppression statistic of all. Like you see these massive lines. Well, you're not seeing them in rich neighborhoods. You know, you're seeing them in and like this would should be an easy thing to fix, right? I mean, we have historical data. We know how many people are going to vote. Well,
4: it's not. It's not broken. That's the thing about this. This isn't a thing that's broken. It's working exactly the way that it's intended to work. This is voter suppression. You know, you're talking about fixing something that's that a lot of people don't want to fix. They don't want the people in these marginalized communities to be able to vote. So they shut down all of the polling locations across Georgia. And then there's two and many, many people uh, uh, in these communities, many people have called or don't have the means by which to actually get to the new voting, the polling station, and and when they do, <clears throat> you arrive and there's these massive, massive lines. How many people uh, decide? just to skip it. And so you, you know, you know, people are talking about fixing, 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 and you have to look at, is it broken or is it ever, you know, you look, you're ta- you know, when you're talking about systemic racism and the you know, the systems that put in, are, have been put into place, you know, you have to, you know, look back to the people who put them in place and realize that it isn't necessarily broken for them.
1: Yeah, you know? that's why you gotta get that mail-in ballot yeah. And then okay. go drop it off yourself early. And get it early and go drop it off yourself, you know. But
4: I, but I agree with you. It, it should be easy to fix, you know. This should be something that's easy to
1: fix. They should, yeah. These lines – Well, it, it should be a national holiday, too, yeah. and we should have ranked choice voting, but, you know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there are a lot of easy fixes, you Correct. know. Okay. But are they going <laughs> to
0: I mean, in, in all honesty, isn't the easiest – like the actual fix in reality is making it like we vote on our phones. Like, isn't that an easy fix in all honesty, Andy? Like, is there a way that like, like what's holding us back from like, I mean,
1: change,
4: I, I don't understand <laughs> well, I'm, blockchain I'm, technology that well, <laughs> but, I, but from what I, people who do understand it really well have explained it to me in a way that it could fix the problem with the hacking of, you know, the, the hacking of voter rolls right. sort of a decentralized system like blockchain is something that I could see potentially down the line mm-hmm. getting involved here. But, uh, but uh, Andy, can we vote on our
3: phones? There's a lot of fear of hacking. I went once, once, uh, the Ford Foundation once called in the head of like all these voter groups to do a presentation basically saying don't support electronic voting and here's all the reasons. And they told a story of they they tried to do a mock election on um, electronic voting and they invited hackers to try to hack it. And it was hacked so fast that when people started trying to vote it would play the Michigan fight song because the people who created it like went to another Big Ten school and the hackers went to Michigan. So that was the story I walked away with. It's like, all right, so maybe we're not ready for online voting. But, you know, it is. It is. it kind of gets to a fundamental question of why don't we vote like we do everything else? And when we do, can we you – know, right now, about 50% of young people in America vote The last presidential election was about 58% of eligible, turned out, of all ages. So, you know, we're in a country where essentially nearly one out of two, certainly one out of three people aren't voters. And we know that more people didn't vote than voted for either Clinton or Trump. So the non-voters were the winners of that election and ultimately decided that election. So we need to change our culture more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, voting should be easy. But democracy is not a spectator sport. If it's so passive that it requires nothing, well, you know, what we really want to see in the world is for people to give a shit. And what we do see in the world is people give a shit. When you see people waiting online for six hours, I mean, how inspiring is it? Especially when you think about a poor neighborhood where people might not be getting paid time off to vote. Um, and, and, you know, people are working two jobs and things like that, and they're still waiting online six hours. And, um, you know, what's another stat that's not well known is that during the Obama years, for the first time ever, voter turnout among black Americans was higher than white Americans. And despite all of voter suppression and all of the stats that kind of line up to income in terms of voter participation, all those things, overcome by sheer desire of people to vote and make an historic vote at that and so you know I think some of this comes down to government obstacles but some of it comes down to what's in our heart as collectively as a country and we're a country that's you know has likes to have a lot of things handed to us and um you know I don't think that You want voting to be as easy and inclusive as possible, but you also want citizens to care. Mm. And I think we have—I'm also interested in technology solutions that make it easier to understand who the candidates are. So you don't walk into a voting booth and have no idea, and you know, just close your eyes and pick, which especially in a primary can happen very easily. But I think that, and that's where we get to like music, and that's where we get to the influence of Bobby and Dave Matthews and Ariana Grande and O'Teal, Like for us, like our belief is that there's, there's systemic problems on the government side, but there's also opportunity just for us as a culture to embrace the idea of, of controlling our own future.
1: I get really frustrated, man. When I go in, um, and vote and there's like all these cam like i don't even know who these people are you know like i just moved down here for uh, my buddy that i bike with is a real estate attorney so he's kind of up on it. so i ask him and you know i ask people i trust and uh but i i need to like you you know, really know. need it out to try to figure that some of that stuff like because the, they're judges and stuff you get yeah. your
4: sample ballot. Yeah, you have to get your sample ballot and you have, especially with the judges, you need to do a little bit of research there. And, and yeah. the, the reality is, is that most people aren't doing that research, unfortunately, you know, and, yeah. but, but there are, you know, there, the sample ballot is available for every election in the state, in the, in the country. And it really is you know, part of the civic duty to figure out who's on your ballot so that you're not showing up and just blindly clicking, you know, especially when you get into those, you know, a more obscure or down ballot races or the judge, uh, the races for judge, you know, some of them lifetime appointments, you know, and um, you you talk, Andy talks about um, the non voters, you know, deciding the election. And it makes me think of a couple of different things, which is I mean, then you look. You look at the the problems of, of the system of government and the electoral system in general. And for me, I, we've we've been talking about the two party system for years now. You know, we, you see, there there's um, a, there's really more like four parties but two of them are or five parties but two or three of them don't really have a seat at the table um and especially, and there's no ranked choice voting and and then you uh and then you look at like the electoral college and how the yeah. how the system has been set up so that you know in the last 25 years there's been you know two uh, major party candidates that won the popular vote, but lost the election, you know, and, and, and then you have the, the, the fallout of that, where people start to feel apathetic when they see that their, their beliefs aren't necessarily represented by one of the two major parties. And then on top of that, you have to face, Against the misinformation or the disinformation, all of the actual fake news, the real fake news yep. that's being put out um, uh, uh, about, pe- you know, when you look back at 2016 and you look at these uh, Russian sites that were putting out information about Pizzagate, where Hillary Clinton was, uh, was uh, in charge of a, a pedophile ring. And people believed that. You know, there was a lot of people. That's there's a lot of people that still believe that if you're on the internet, I'm sure you don't have to look much further than O'Teal's Instagram comments <laughs> to find you know the people who queuing are QAnon, QAnon with the lizard people and the pedophile ring and the whole thing. And so you're up against you know all of these elements <laughs> here. And and I guess what I what my overall point is is that I I am hoping. That that we can find a way over that because there has been change with technology since we started headcount in the way that people are registered to vote. You know, we can register people online. It's not all um, done with a clipboard at this point, but that we're going to be able to see some sort of push for fundamental change. Uh, uh regarding you know the electoral college regarding citizens united and and just so you know the issue of money and politics uh and and, and regarding the two-party system ultimately so that there are you know if more people are withholding their vote then than our vote you know than are voting for in each individual candidate it stands to reason that there could be a viable third or third and fourth party but it would require you know, systemic change, you know, at the core of the government, which, you know, term limits is another one that we've talked about for years, you know, where you can get out of this, this constant uh, cycle of politicking, this constant, you know, campaign cycle that's going on, where um, sometimes you feel like there's very little governing, and a lot of fundraising and campaigning going on (laughs) in Congress, so that people, if people didn't, have if there wasn't that incentive to to spend all of their time raising money and and campaigning and then ultimately what's the fallout from that you're beholden to the to the corporate interests that are funding your re-election campaigns so there's the these issues that we were talking about in 2008 and 2012 and 2016 that are still here and but you know of course it's trump and it's covid and 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 there's other issues that have come to the forefront where people you know not, aren't necessarily talking about money and politics right now but it's yeah. a problem citizens united it, it needs needs to be reversed it's a problem you know the two-party yeah. system needs to be addressed term limits need to be addressed the electoral college is antiquated yeah. in my opinion so there, there's there's you know that all having been said You still, you know, I still believe at my core that it's that that my greatest civic responsibility and civic duty in the face of all of these things, acknowledging all of these problems with the the system of government and the the electoral system that's still showing up like Andy says and and letting your voice be heard is one of the most powerful things that you can do uh, in the confines of the current system. It doesn't mean that you cannot continue to fight to to change that system so you know to those people who sit out the election because they feel like you know it doesn't matter because of the electoral college or because of all of the citizens united or because of the two-party system i urge them to show up and vote and get active because really the the it's through activism that that the democratic the dnc has moved their platform on climate change further to the left than it's ever been through the activism of the sunrise movement through the excitement that came out of bernie sanders campaign and the progressive movement those activists have taken that momentum and pushed the democratic party on this one core issue further to the left than they've ever been and so you know i would encourage people that really care that backing away and just talking on Twitter and being like, ah, fuck it. The system is broken and it doesn't matter. You know, that... that if you feel That's that brilliant. way, get involved. Do something to start an organization like Andy started in 2004 when he called me up. In 2004, it was just the two of us. Of course, Andy's such a brilliant guy. I don't mean to fluff him up, but he is such a brilliant guy that he knew if, if it starts with Getting some high-level artists on board, and 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 yeah. you know, and he strategically worked his way to you know to Bob Weir and 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 Dave Matthews within two weeks of starting the organization, and that was the you know super super huge flex from Andy Bernstein, our, our fearless leader. But there's Andy. you know there's Andy. there's so much work to be done. That's what I want to acknowledge. Yeah. We're not there. You know the the yeah. I see a lot of. People who are reacting to you know one of the campaigns that we just launched with Global Citizens is the Just Vote campaign. I see a lot of progressives online who feel like that, like saying "Just Vote" to them is like demeaning. Like you know, don't tell me what to do. You know, I have I have my well. stance, and what I'm saying to them is, listen, change change takes time and change takes passion, and change takes energy, and change takes determination, and hard work, and sacrifice, you know? And if you don't think, one thing I know is that Andy Bernstein, who we're sitting here with, doesn't have to be running a nonprofit organization. Yeah. This dude would be running a corporation to the tune of a gigantic mansion. And dude, it's true. Be humble, but I mean, you, you wrote but a farmer's a almanac for Christ's <laughs>
0: sake. You're a genius. But there's
4: a sacrifice <laughs> that goes along with 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 this kind of work. And and I and I and I appeal to people out there to say, if you care and if you think it's it, that, that the system is broken then start something and, or get with other people that feel like you and start a movement to help change it. I think that over the next 20, 30 years, we can fix these problems. They have to be fixed. You know, Climate change has to be addressed right now. There's not, we don't have 20 or 30 years on the issue of climate change. It has to be addressed right now. We can't, we can't.
1: We I can't. that's where my hope lies is that I, I really do feel like circumstances economic, uh, you know, climate, uh, political, racial, everything, spiritual, like it's all the shit's hitting the fan. So there's things that are going to press on us to force us to do it. Like if the bottom drops out of the market, we got a whole nother ball game and that's awful, but it will make for some quicker changes, I believe, you know, Because you're just forced into it, like the climate's forcing us into it. Like, look at California. It's like, you know, for me, what my perspective, I'm a Green New Deal guy. It's like, the sky should be blue in California. It's orange or red. Maybe we should start, uh, well... I don't know. Call me crazy. Climate
4: change, climate change is a social justice issue. First of all, as is like yes. le- you know, as is cannabis legalization, cannabis reform is a social justice issue. You know, and it's I, I, I think race. you're going kind to of start to see people now with a heightened kind of uh, focus on social justice issues across the board. People will start to tie climate change as a social justice issue together because it is climate change disproportionately affects you know uh, 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 people of color uh, uh, as does as does most of these issues you know yeah. one of the things that we've learned over the last couple of months is you don't have to look far beneath the surface to find the systemic racism, racism in any yeah. vertical, you know, if you look at healthcare, if you look at criminal justice, if you look at, you know, any of these verticals, any of it, yeah, the systemic racism is just just beneath or not even right on the surface. So, you know, but climate change, yeah, I'm for me, I, I that's.
0: I, I, uh, priority number one, man. It's got to be. It's got to be a really other, top priority. You know, we like, only have one place to live. I mean, we, I mean really down here, here
1: like the hurricanes, like, you know, we were biking yeah. this morning and whatever one's not, we're always, uh, is it going to hit the other side of Florida or hit our side of Florida, you know? And then my my buddy Arthur was like, oh, there's four more brewing. And I was like, four? So we're just waiting. You know, there, it's like incoming now. Yeah. You know?
0: Tornadoes hit in the Northeast, like they do don't in the even, Midwest, yeah. normally.
1: So. Yeah,
4: yeah, it's it's disconcerting that climate change is politicized. It's disconcerting that a lot of these very very important issues have just basically been hijacked by the
1: you know. Yeah, the, but I don't think it's going to last long because you know the pressure is going to affect everybody, and they're going to realize really soon. Hey, this is not a political issue. Just like with racism, maybe it's, it's all it, you either. There's two things for me. Human rights, you're either for human rights or you're not. And you're either for helping Americans out or you're not.
5: Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at SmartWool. For more than 25 years, SmartWool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. You know, like I saw a really
1: brilliant thing that was... Uh... It was Andrew Yang and Anand Gerideratus. And what he was saying is, you know, the left really frames things the wrong way. You know, if they if they took something like Medicare for all and just and framed it like the right frames it. Like, you know, in Normandy, you know, we didn't leave one person behind because we they're Americans and you know, we're based on loyalty and anybody that's waving that flag, you know, we're not going to leave them behind. And that's exactly how we feel about healthcare. Like, and we don't just leave people out to die, you know, well Americans, you know,
4: one (laughs) of the problems is one of the problems with the far left is that they're absolutely horrible at branding. I mean, I really truth, truthfully believe that the progressive branch of the democratic party that the branding is so far off base. Like you said, you know, like just using the word socialism, it's just like a toxic word for, for for, for a political campaign. It's a toxic word. It's bad branding. They could do a better job than calling themselves democratic socialists. In my opinion, speaking for myself here, I think that defund the police is bad branding because I've seen so many So many videos of what we mean when we say defund the police is that, that 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 and i'm like well yeah. then just say then just say things. what it is yeah, don't exactly. have yeah. to explain what it is when you say defund the police you're scaring people or you're yeah. giving one but i think a lot of their theory, to like to play off of the fear you know right. yeah. the yeah. fear mongering and i just feel like yeah there are some valid arguments to be made about re it's not about defunding it's about re- reallocating and yes. i call it what? Refunding, <laughs> right? Or or like with with wealth redistribution. Everybody always talks yeah. about. Well, what do you want to do? You want to redistribute the wealth from the ultra wealthy to the middle class? And what I say is, it was redistributed not, to them. It was already redistributed. <laughs> it's re redistributing the really? wealth. Like, nobody. I've never heard anybody else say that though, Teal. It's not about I've been redistributing for the forever. wealth. Like, it's about re-redistributing it, bringing exactly. it back t- to the to the proportions of where CEOs were paid. I don't want to misquote statistics, but 20 I mean, but times the average worker, not 500 times the average yeah. worker uh, at their organization. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of stuff to
1: talk about. You know, that we can, that we, you know, But in their defense, I will say this. Nobody batted a fucking eyelash when the right openly talked about defunding the EPA. Right, they said openly, "This is our job to defund it," and there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't enough pearl clutching to wait, you know, for it to be this way. But I still agree with you. Like, let's let's be uh, savvy about it, you know. Like, if you know it's a problem, you know, because basically, as like what I kind of was talking to my father-in-law about, I said, you know, the problem at least with racism and all this is that there's a certain segment of society that does not see black people or doesn't want to see them or Mexicans or whoever this, the other is as Americans. Right. And so then you're like, well, then you don't have to like try to provide for them. They're not the ones who you're going to leave them in Normandy, like screw them, you know? Right. So that's my whole thing is like, you know, we should be waving the American flag at all these protests all the, I'm gonna get American flag mass because that's like come on this is right. my uh, vision of America too I get to have mine it's a free country right so
4: yeah. right the American flag has been co-opted as a symbol of the conservative America it's really you know
1: and I'm the same way strange. with God I'm the same way with the word God I just have been on uh, it's like why let people that get that the least? have it (laughs) you know like my dad always said to me he was like how could any black person adopt a religion of the slave owner and then here all these years later i was like turns out the slaves understood it better than anybody (laughs) you know because that's how it works so i want to get onto this question this guy jack volo i guess that's his handle really confused um the dead, very anti-establishment, yet it's supporting giving more energy to the establishment. I've listened to many of your shows I dead then company in 27, 2018, often had a voice and drums in Spain saying the best form of government is no government at all. So how can you stand there and expect us to vote for blue candidates when blue candidates are tearing apart this country? Um, first of all, I never said for anybody to vote for blue candidates. Head count is not set up to register people to vote for blue candidates. Thank you. So I could speak for myself and say, anybody that's listening me on my podcast knows what I think of both of these fucking parties. Yep. So obviously, Jack Volo, you weren't listening very closely to what was coming out of my mouth. I'll let you guys speak for yourself as far as that, you know, goes.
3: You know i've heard that point about the dead and being anti-establishment and what would jerry say for a long time and i think the best way to answer this is the reality of what happened was that when bobby had young children in the early 2000s and during the first bush presidency bob weir had a personal political awakening that was very grounded in his kids and so he was started like speaking publicly about the importance of voting. And I think Mark saw that online and then we reached out to Bobby to get him involved in the headcount. And he's been our most consistent and passionate supporter ever since. So I think it is ve- very fair to say that the Grateful Dead were anti-establishment in many ways, but everybody kind of grew up. You know, the individual band members all became people who started caring a lot about the future of the world and recognizing their platform and their role and the ability they had to produce positive change. And I I always try to very much hear, I mean, I think the sentiment that he was saying is very fair and valid. And while we definitely are not pushing any candidate, I think it's there's no question, you know, the tone of our entire conversation here, there there's a progressive thinking that's in there. And there's a lot of people who don't share those views. And a lot of people, the Grateful Dead world is very diverse in political views. And one thing you'll know is with Headcount, you know, it's a very welcoming tent. Like somebody can be part of Headcount no matter what their political beliefs are. And I think that is a very much a Grateful Dead ideal. And what I always said, especially at the beginning when we started Headcount, was that there are underlying values at a concert that we want to see reflected in society it's love thy neighbor it's the golden rule and that's grateful dead don't tell me that's not grateful Dead. don't tell me man dude yeah Yeah, let's take care of each other and right what we're saying is let's take the values that are here with political diversity for sure but shared values and let's try to bring that to the forefront in society through this mechanism of democracy to the best of our abilities and that's the stuff that will always stand by because it was the value of day one and it's still the value of the organization. And our scene has changed a lot and our leaders have changed and Bob Weir has been on the forefront of that change. And if there's something that I think everybody in the Dead and company organization and the whole community can really get behind, it's, it's just this idea of our power, we're everywhere. That's an old deadhead saying so, if we 're everywhere, and that includes the voting booth, then the world is going to change in a way that makes it a little more like us and a little less like all the people who think we 're weird
0: yeah and jerry and Jerry was so above all this from a perspective of like just be kind and move consciousness ahead of step and and you know this was all just a simple little like you know for a lot of people a couple of years ago, even i 'd say this time last, well a couple of years ago nobody talked about politics. There were a lot of people who just, you could still not care about politics. Do you know what I mean? Like you could just be someone who, all right, you voted for that guy. I voted for this guy. I don't really, they're all phonies. Who cares? But now it's just so like, there's no,
4: something has to be happening as a catalyst to get people to care. You know, nobody really cared in the nineties in our bubble. You know what I mean? That's but that's what I yeah, in yeah. our bubble, people yeah. didn't care in the 90s, but come along George Bush and 9-11 and the Iraq war, and suddenly everybody cared a lot mm-hmm. in our bubble. But then come along Obama in 2008, 2008 and a general sense of well-being and security over the next eight years in our bubble. And there was, and you can see when you get to the polls in 2010, our bubble didn't show up and we got shellacked in the midterm election, you know, by, by the tea party. And that's how we all, you know, ended up with Ted Cruz in our lives, uh, you know, and then, um, and, and, and then, you you move forward, of course, to 2016, and nobody thinks that Trump can win, and of course, then he wins. And you move around to 2018, and 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 the and the pendulum doth swingeth. You know, it, it right. suddenly in our world, you know, there's an uproar, and and, and everybody <laughs> is super engaged, and, and and I don't want to say we, but the left comes through and sweeps through the midterm <laughs> elections and 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 crushes in the in the in the House, and and this is. What happens in American politics is the pendulum swings, and when your party is in control, you pay a little bit less attention. And when your party's not in control, you know, the, the party that you belong or identify with, you know, mobilizes and, and people show up at, at record levels like they never have before. We're in a unique situation that we haven't been in in our lifetime right now uh, with coronavirus and you know and then of course there was no sports there was no concerts and people could really start to pay attention to you know social justice issues george floyd comes, the george floyd incident comes along and
1: there's which i want to rebrand Social justice is just like it's so toxic. Yeah, what do you call it? Please, human Human rights. Human rights. human rights. It's okay. human rights. <laughs> yeah, right, I like if you that. say social justice, then it's like social justice warriors. Right, are, everybody. Right, exactly. No, Let's no, I just, just care about friggin' human rights, man. You know, love thy well, neighbor, said.
0: That's the point like about said. the
1: branding of the left. The branding of the yeah. left is terrible. Human rights. I'm with it. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm just throwing that out there, but I, I w- what I want to say to this guy is, look, you know. Politics is just one category for me. Um, I think politics is just so like, dis- uh, just, I don't even know what the word is, but it's what we have. So uh, there's this quote that I always, that I hear Cornel West say, uh, justice is what love looks like in public, right? So this is just getting to human rights. So I fight for that in every kind of category. I fight for it. For it in the arts category with my music. I fight for it in the activist category by just speaking up and speaking out. I fight for it in the economic category with how I spend my money. I think voting with your dollars is super important. You know, I fight for it in the spiritual category and in the political category. So I'm not, you know, it's just one, you know, I'm not going to like fight for human rights and all these categories, but not politically because the Grateful Dead can't be like, are you kidding me? I'm a human. I'm an American, you know? And so that's what, this is our system. We got to fight. We got to do the best we can, you know? So I'm, but I'm not telling anybody how to vote. I'm saying that you should vote. Like what you guys are saying, that that the, the fact that there's more people that don't vote than, than vote for either candidate. That's, that's disturbing and the, neither of them should need to win. be fixed. Whichever <laughs> side you vote on,
0: neither of them should win. And then we get no president for we, four years and see how yeah. that works. Well, if we
1: had ranked choice, you know, I'm going back to that, but Hey, you do what you can. We don't have ranked choice yet. Right. You know, we don't have citizens United, but we do have candidates with the balls enough to say, I'm not going to take corporate money. So let's, you know, you do what you can, you know, and we, we a poll and, uh, for headcount, and what, and we
4: found out that in the Sound Tribe Sector Nine scene and the Disco Biscuit scene, the majority of fans identified as libertarian voters. You remember that when we polled back in the day, wow. and if you look at you know wow. online, you're seeing that there are a lot of Grateful Dead fans who identify as Trump voters right now, and and across the board, be- you 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 know if you just pay attention a little bit. You'll see that you know, if for an organization like Headcount, but which is nonpartisan, and we're out there in the field, we are in the field, and we are uh, encouraging—we're—we're we're encouraging engagement, political engagement, to everybody and anybody. You know, come on board, register to vote. And, and, and go and pick your candidate, whoever it is. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. You do your own research and figure out which candidate represents how you believe. I, I could talk about which candidate represents what I believe, but guess what? What I believe and what Andy believes doesn't even fully line up. You know what I mean? A- Andy and I
3: – <laughs> say again? I said we argue a lot. I take yeah. them down. He, you he know, told he's him, like Puffety, and then I'd like take him down with the facts.
4: he is a very is a he's 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 looked at a lot of data. <laughs> he's, and he is and he is very much in the center. If you don't mind me saying that, he's a very moderate mm-hmm. voter. One might think, oh, headcount, oh, the people who run it, progressives, are whatever it is. That actually, um, we've been nonpartisan for fifteen years, and over that time, I've watched. Andy's whole kind of thought process be enveloped by a nonpartisan, you know, yeah. filter, which has been fun to watch uh, on an, on kind of an academic level, you know, on an intellectual level to get it, to, to listen to somebody who will look at things with, um and think about them critically rather than just kind of going with what's popular at the moment. And, and, and I president. think that's what's,
3: kind of lost in America is we just have no ability to hear each other and listen. And what I often hear people say on the left is, I just don't understand how anybody could vote for Donald Trump. And my reaction is, well, that's a true fact. Say it with a little humility and recognize that you don't understand. And start listening and start hearing the themes and why people support him. And you will be more enlightened. It doesn't mean you need to agree with them, but at least understand what your neighbor's thinking is. And when you say just, I, I, is it that you can't understand it or you haven't tried or you don't want to or you just so vehemently disagree that you lack empathy? And that is something that most people on the left are guilty of. You they know, it's are. a good game to play. Are you the other side? You know, it's just a good game to play with yourself. All right, I'm going to try to argue the other point. And when you find the words don't come to you, even though you've heard them a million times, it's because you're you're not necessarily really trying to hear both sides. Again, you don't have to agree with it to be able to repeat it back and just sort of validate someone's human experience, even if it's different than yours. So I, I like noticed, these questions. Well, you got any more like, hate yeah. like
1: But I, before we go on, I, I want to speak to that, too, because I think it's very important. I do listen to I have a kind of preference for the poor, right, because I grew up in southeast Washington. But that's not just poor black people or poor people of color. It's all poor people. And one thing I recognized a long time ago is a lot of these poor white people that are into Trump are right about them being fucked by their government. You know, and just, just like I'm right poorly? about me being fucked by my government because I pay a lot of taxes and it does not go to where I think it should go to, right? Among many other things. So that we, but we love blame. We'd rather have somebody to blame. And somebody that we can go, you suck. Then to oh, well, that's fight. it. It's so fed into by this team sports thing and the Cowboys versus the Redskins and all yep, that. it's, it's like, Red
0: Sox God, Yankees. We're all Washington, the Washington man. football team. So yeah. we'll,
1: and the higher ups want us to fight across this way, horizontal, instead of up that that's way. That's the whole thing, right? And that's yeah. when they kill King. But they killed Martin Luther King. They're like, you could do your black thing and black people need rights. And, and Then we became a poor people's campaign and a war and all that and stuff that was a crossword. Bang, you're out of here, man. So I, I really encourage people to do what you're saying, Andy, is like, actually have so, a little more humility about it. And I've been guilty of the same thing. Mm. You know, guys come at me. The wrong way in my DMs or on something. I've told a few people like "Go fuck yourself," you know. And I'm like, ah, that's not how to win, and that's not how well, to win, dude. And,
0: and you know what else too is? It seems to me like so much of this is just you know the five or six things about the other candidate that you hate that you throw out when someone says, "Why are you voting for Trump? Why are you voting for Clinton? Why you think I'm going to vote for this blank, 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 blank?" And it's like I'm not asking why you're not going to vote for. Hillary, or why you're not going to vote for Trump? I want to know why you are going to vote the way you are. You know, it seems there's so yeah. much of this. You know, ten five, the Yankees bought their lineup. There's steroids. <laughs> there's the Steinbrenner. I'm not asking. Right. I want to know why are you a Red Sox fan? Like that's the thing. Is it's just it seems to me like this is all so deflective and so defensive. I, where it's you, like,
4: well, you know, you're not also. You know, it's like more. You're voting for more than the person who you know what i mean and and that's what the gop that's what the people on the right got in in 2016 when they coalesced around donald trump as the um as the candidate and and you know and they got two supreme court justices you know on there you know and 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 they knew what they were voting for, you know? And it's like, far be it for me to tell people that they're not voting for Biden or they're not voting for Trump, that they're voting for, you know, whoever is not gonna be on the you know, whichever Supreme Court justice is gonna be replaced, one or two of them in the next four years. But it's not just the Supreme Court that you're voting for. Yeah. It's all of the Can you still hear me? you know i want to throw
3: in there that i'll tell you my big fear is right after this election
4: i'm sorry is that
3: my big fear is right after this election no matter who wins there is on the presidential side there's going to be a lot of like negative feeling and i've watched this ebb and flow headcount's been around since 2004 so we've seen I, I always talk about like whether voting is an applause line for an artist on stage. There are times when people are really into it and there are times when it's like golf clap and somebody shouting a profanity. I've watched this happen. Mark has experienced it. And as much as I like it when people shout profanities at Mark, it's not good when it's voting that is getting people to say that. And I think there's gonna be an element to that in November, December and the next four years that no matter what who is in the white house people are just going to be super down where right now people may be really amped up. There's going to be like a real, a a segment of people who are really negative. And I'm like prepared for that. Like I've told the headcount team, it's like, we're, we're very relevant today. Enjoy it. That's why we have to do everything we can to register and turn out as many people as possible because our jobs are going to get a lot harder after this election. And it may last four years. It may last forever. And so I think just, you know, one message I'd say to people is, like, prepare to be disappointed at this point. Like, your your government and your leaders are going to disappoint you in this current state, there's no question. And, you know, I think history will look back at this election and say, well, how did we get here with those two candidates? How are those two people that have just so many negative opinions about them in the country, how are these two people the people who rose to the top? And I don't know the answer to that. But I think we have to kind of keep our heads up and remember that who is in the White House, no matter who it is, is doesn't necessarily need to be a reflection on who we are as a people. It doesn't need to be a reflection on whether democracy is a valuable thing. We have to keep working at it, and you know, we've seen you know on the state and congressional level, we've seen some really like interesting personalities come to the forefront and win surprise elections. And then we see with the presidency, it just seems to be the two old white guys every year. And not every year, but, you know, that we, we kind of have gotten back to that. So we just have to be prepared for this fight is going to continue. And the fight to make voting important is continue. I, I'll, I'll kind of end with this. The number one impact on whether people vote or not is friends and family. And mm-hmm. all of us know people who don't vote. So if you probably got to the end of this podcast, I'm going to guess you're a voter. You're, 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 we're all in this together. But there are people around you who aren't voters. So having that conversation, being able to really listen, we're actually going to roll out a thing on our website soon that's about how to have a conversation with friends who don't vote. And it starts with saying, listen, don't judge. Don't wag your finger at anybody. Yeah. Just try to understand people. And then we give them kind of clever comebacks and things like that, that are like positive and, and not confrontational. So I think that's just really important role for all of us in the next uh, couple months is one, you know, get your ballot in, make sure your vote counts, but then think about how to triple your vote, you know, get yeah. three friends to vote. And that's a really doable thing. If you are a young person Probably about half your friends don't vote. If you're uh, anybody and anywhere in America, you know people who don't vote because it's very common. So, you know, start to find out from your friends if they're voters. And if they're not voters, you know, it's not the time to tell them they suck because nobody wants to hear that. It's just the time to have a conversation where maybe they'll vote for you, you know. And, um, and that's something I think is really important right now is just for everybody to be talking, everybody to be lifting their own communities, their own pods, their own quarantines, everybody on your quarantine should be voting. I just and, want to say uh, something.
4: So, some of these quarantines look a little less like a quarantine and more like they're just hanging out with all of their friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have a, I have a quick question. Have, um, And I'm not talking about Andy Frasco, but I I have another question, Annabelle, Um, but I have another question. Have we identified any other truly nonpartisan issues other than cannabis reform um, that where people can speak to their family on on an issue that we know you know isn't as divided as other issues where i i and and mike and O'Teal like we've started the cannabis voter project which is cannabisvoter.org and and that one info. of the th- uh, dot info cannabisvoter.info and one of the things we've discovered is in talking to people who are sometimes apathetic about voting sometimes just Pointing out to them that in their state, cannabis laws were reformed you know at, by a ballot initiative it might be uh, something that changes their mind
1: right. you know there, i've said that for a long time because I live in a red state, but yet, here in Florida, I just got my medical card right right, and um, also prisoners got the right to vote when they come when they get out of prison although i just found out they had some loopholes or whatever, but you know those are things and i said i said for many 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 months after that i was like what you said surely there have to be other things besides weed that we can unite around and i think one of those things is ranked choice voting it, like it, it, the the irony is that for people that think the system is broken and don't want to vote voting is what changes it. Like, was it Maine that got ranked choice
3: voted? They voted it in? And it, and it affected the impact. Like, uh, Ab- it was oh, because absolutely. of ranked choice voting, the congressman won. And John Fishman yeah. of Fish is like a wonderful spokesperson for ranked choice voting. And for those yeah. who aren't familiar, ranked choice voting basically lets you sort of pick your number two and number three. And if your number two doesn't, have enough votes, then your vote goes to your number three, and it basically means that you don't have to throw away a vote. You can still like pick your favorite candidate, but then kind of and have your least first. favorite, yeah. Hmm. And um, and it is a really important reform. And I want to I want to just get back to that question of what's a nonpartisan issue out there, and there are very few. And the cannabis piece for headcount is really important because we think cannabis is something that can get people out to vote who might not otherwise vote. And people should check out cannabisvoter.info. We're also doing a big volunteer initiative in the next months where you can sign up to text people in other states or your own state to encourage them to vote. And there's one track that's all about cannabis for Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, where it's on the ballot. We're reaching people who might not otherwise vote, but Statistics would tell us would vote if they knew cannabis is on the ballot. And then we're doing like battleground states. So you can go to headcount.org and volunteer. But I want to I answer that question with, uh, about what's the nonpartisan issue? Because I think it's, it's an important, the answer kind of can make us reflect on life. Yeah. The number one issue that people are most engaged about and most likely to reach out to their elected officials about is childhood cancer drugs. Because if you wow. have a kid who has cancer, you don't give a flying fuck whether anybody's a Democrat or Republican. He's there, that the drugs are getting the kids. That's right. Wow. So you are determined. Yeah. And if you have been in a family or you have a friend who's been affected by that, you are determined. And so when you see something online that says speak out to elected official, the things that are going to get clicked the most are things about childhood cancer. We know this because we, we used to have a platform called SoundOff for that. And I just think that, like, that knowing that and recognizing that just makes you stop and think and realize we all have so much at stake. There is so many things where citizens speaking out, and that's the thing, like citizens speaking out impacts this, like it did with cannabis in Jersey where, you know, and, and-
4: In Pennsylvania, the cannabis, the medical cannabis law was pushed forth by a now uh, out of office and shamed congressman by the name of our senator by the name of Mike Fulmer. But um, he, he he pushed this the bill forward because he had had cancer. And he had gone through the. He was a Republican, had had cancer, and he and he just saw what they were doing in the in in, in neighboring states with it, and it became a nonpartisan issue around cancer. That's when when cannabis um, was pushed forth as a nonpartisan issue here in Pennsylvania, which Pennsylvania is a swing state. You know, it's uh, yeah. it, you know it's very progressive or, or left leaning in the. Cities on the side and otherwise yeah.
1: not, but um, you can kind of extrapolate that healthcare in general. As we saw that with Bernie, you know, like healthcare, people everywhere on all sides, both sides, and all of, of the above are getting screwed by our healthcare system. You know, and that's I I feel like that is. You know, now we get back to framing, you know, because it can be framed as a partisan thing, but if it's, it can also be not framed as a partisan thing because it's not. It's just, you know, there's plenty of capitalist allies of ours that have this figured out well one of one of the one of the big issues
4: that the progressives have right now is that you know something like 72 percent of all democrats are in favor of medicare for all yet the yet the dnc didn't adopt it as their platform and and uh, a very easy way to consolidate the vote for and you know i know that bernie is talking about this this week but you know previous to him coming out and saying this, a very easy way to consolidate the vote on the left would be to bring Medicare for All Onto the DNC platform um, as you know, as an olive branch to the far left or to the progressives. Yeah. I, I don't even know that how it would get pushed through. I mean, it, it, something needs to happen in the healthcare system. I'm yeah. obviously in support of Medicare for all. I don't have the answer to the question of how are we going to pay for it. Otherwise, you know, outside of kind of reallocating money from our hyper bloated military budget, which seems like a fine way to pay for it. I don't understand why that's not a fine way to pay for it. But we can have that discussion on. <laughs> another podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: you know it, it, it's it, amazing the things that nobody asks how are we going to pay for it a trillion dollars a day oh, okay really no crickets with how are we okay
4: whatever airline industry right how are we going to pay for it nobody wants to know yeah. i mean we're asking that question how are we going to pay for it like what, what what's going to happen down the line and Our you know great
3: grandkids who gives a shit right you know and hey along those lines in terms of government priorities um, Save Our Stages Act, you know, that's, that's probably another podcast for you guys. Headcount, we're going to probably sponsor both um, NEVA, the Independent Venue Association, and NITO, the Independent Talent Organization, because we're, right now, we want to put resources into our industry and the idea of activating our industry around causes that we care about and music fans care about. Yeah. That's a whole nother side of things but it all relates back. It all relates back to why we vote, why we participate in an unperfect system because we have so much at stake. And how are the music community, really, we are at the forefront of many things. You know, arts is what's going to bring the cities back after COVID. Arts is going to bring back a vital economy. And, you know, the musicians' ability to work, especially for guys who are down a few levels in terms of where their career is and are, you know, absolutely a hundred percent dependent on live music to, to pay their rent. And comedy. Um, So it's, you know, (laughs) there's obviously so much to talk about. I know I got to get back to uh, my my day gig here. Before you um, go, can I just ask
0: uh, one quick question before you leave? From someone who out of all of us, the one who looks at the numbers and watches everything kind of, um, are you at this moment in time, you know, like 50 some odd days away, give or take a week, are you optimistic about the activity that you see leading up to the election? Um, do you feel like it's bigger than ever? Do you think it's, you know, wh- wh- where you are know, you
3: at? I'd like to say I'm really optimistic because we've seen such incredible lift over the last few years. And we saw 2018 of the highest midterm election turnout in 100 years, but I am concerned. I am concerned about states being underfunded and not being able to manage elections properly during a pandemic. And I'm concerned that like, I mean, I'll tell you something. We're, we're out talking to a lot of artists right now. Um, we have a National Voter Registration Day campaign coming where we're, we're sending out stuff and to artists wearing photos like Mark and Othiel are wearing their vote shirts right now. And I feel a little fear that like some of the bigger artists and some of the big management companies that we work with didn't hit the gas as hard as we would have liked in the last few weeks. And why is that? I don't know, but I wonder, is it lack of enthusiasm about the candidates? Is it feeling like the moment has passed? Like three months ago, everybody was stepping up during the protests. And do they feel like, you know, because I think artists have a very good cultural radar and antenna and like sort of know when it's cool to speak and when it isn't. And if it's not cool to speak now, six weeks before the biggest election of our lives, we're fucked. Mm, you yeah, know, we're yeah. fucked in terms of turnout, in terms of getting that non-vote. So wow. I wish I could say the last two weeks, like since Labor Day, felt a little more like a wave. And I've done this long enough to sort of know when it's happening or not. And it's it's not quite happening right now, okay. in the way that Mark, I. Mark, I think your
1: mic is going again. Your mic is doing something. Yeah. weird.
3: So it doesn't mean it won't happen, and it doesn't mean our little set of artists we work with can tell everything. But I do feel like the artists—they just have this spidey sense of what is culturally being accepted and revered right now. And the fact that the artists aren't totally out there pushing really hard, and some of them obviously are, you know, and we work with many who are. But there are enough that aren't that something right now is telling me I don't think things are where we want them to be in terms of that that cultural moment around voting. Yeah, I think so. so.
4: Andy, you bring up a really good point, though, with the protests a couple months ago and covid. And Going back to school General exhaustion On the, on the on, You know in terms of Engagement like everybody's been Hyper engaged how many Zooms have we been on you know what I mean and it's like then you have a Zoom that you're trying to like you know Sell as a musician to somebody Because that's the last thing that musicians Have basically to offer Is, is, yeah. is being put You know uh, Is getting one on one with you know with your fans and it's like there's just fatigue right now across the board political fatigue and you know that's why we're here that's why andy and i started headcount in the first place it was to be there for the moment when there was apathy it was beat to be there for the moment when there was fatigue so you know that's i hear why we you to have
0: you on today
4: you
1: know i that's hear why you. we started this podcast too it's yeah. like you know it's time is come and i'm really glad to have you guys on i, I so, hope we can help you know hold the bellows and fan the flames a little here you know and
0: i want to ask i want to follow up andy what do we do from here you know so if you're concerned listeners that are listening right now what can they do to how can this like mark and what and you can, just we, said, do? What can we do mike, how do you fire how, like how can we use this podcast to light a fire under someone well, middle of the road's ass you know
3: don't
4: I'd lose certainly... your vote mask if somebody <laughs> do a vote mask do not lose it mike you're only getting one okay, okay. <laughs> i better get a mask
3: yeah. <laughs> there, there's so many things to do and you know if everybody uh, listening to this podcast would um just sign up as a volunteer at Headcount. You don't even need to do anything; just be on the list so you know about volunteer opportunities. Whether it's dead and company or the Disco Biscuits or some, you know phone banking, texting that we're doing now, uh, we really invite everybody to be part of Headcount. Where one thing I'm really proud of is we're a very inclusive organization. If you look at our volunteer base, you're going to have everybody from the young Ariana Grande fan to the old Grateful Dead hippie, and everybody gets along. And because we just have this common value that people should participate, it's this human value. So I encourage people to get involved. But whether you want to involve with a headcount or not, the most important thing to be involved with is a selection. If you're gonna vote by mail, get your, your ballot request in early, fill it out, fill it out carefully, make sure your signature matches how you usually sign your signature. Get it in, maybe drop it off in person if you can. Better yet, vote early in person. You don't even have to worry about the signature and things like that. Get it done. Get three other friends to vote. Call it vote tripling. I think it should be called vote quadrupling, but the lingo is tripling. And, um, you know, that's how you make a difference. And we all can make a difference. And, you know, if, if you're on social media, it's great to share your views, but make sure it's all wrapped up in voting because there's too much chatter out there that isn't really about action. Right. And your, your action starts with your vote. And that's that's what it comes down to. And, um, you know, I hope, uh, Latil, I look forward to seeing you on tour, hopefully soon. Mark, I look forward to seeing you at a drive-in movie theater in the not-too-distant future. Mike, maybe you come out to one of these? I'm trying to get Mike to
1: open my shows with (laughs) stand-up. Mark, how does that
3: work, having stand-up comedians at a concert?
1: It works really well. We've done it before, and I
4: can't—I can't tell you—it's one of the most well-received things that's ever happened at a Disco
0: Biscuit show. <laughs> Mark is I, Mark, you're—you're you're breaking up. I really can't hear you. <laughs>
3: it's really hard to do. But, Shut know, up, guys. We've watched it fail. have done know, it. But hold
4: on. In fairness, and I don't want to throw a, a specific comedian under the bus, but in fairness. We've also gone to see that comedian in a comedy club and it bombed there too. So I'm just like, it <laughs> wasn't, wasn't
3: funny. No, so it's funny, funny
4: my my, my going to be different. Cause I got the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta but be funny first and foremost.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, we love you guys so much and thank yeah, you for, thank you. I know we took you at a busy time, but uh, we'll, uh, we've, you know, we just hope our listeners take all of your advice and bring it out and, like Mickey said, do something with it. So. Yeah.
1: And we'd love to guys. have you back as it gets closer to, you know, you got our numbers. Uh, we're, we're here to fan the flames and um, really appreciate you guys and what you, what you've been doing.
0: Likewise. Guys. Appreciate all of you. And thank you to the listeners for all of the questions and uh, go out and vote and follow these guys and go to headcount.org for all the info. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Andy, Mark, you're the best. Uh, I'll be waiting for my mask. I won't
5: lose it. (laughs) Hey guys, peace, guys. Peace. Peace.